It'll be a three-man rush, eight in coverage, three in the end zone. Dalton heaves it down the right side toward the end zone. It is knocked up in the air. Oh, A.J. Green oh, makes the catch. Oh, 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 man. A deflected oh, ball winds oh, up in the hands God. of A.J. Green. The clock hits zero. Oh, oh. 23-year-old Tony Pike waits for the snap. Has the football. Short drop. Lobs one down the sideline for Bins. He's got it. Touchdown. 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 And a high fly ball. Way back in center field. It is out right here. A grand slam home run for Joey Votto. And this one belongs to the Reds. Keep your shirt on. And last I checked, I did. Yes, why? Now a steal by Gary Clark. And a breakaway to the Reds. Then a strike for Bertoni, and the magical moment belongs to Leonardo Bertoni. He opens the FC Cincinnati account with a goal in the 14th minute. Yeah, double dip from the ice cream cone. Welcome back. You have a good Thanksgiving, Ed? Yeah, man, I had turkey. Uh... <laughs> I didn't. I didn't oh. eat a single bite of turkey. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Did you have ham? You know, I no, I didn't. I didn't have any ham either. Um, I went. I went for a sidesgiving. A Lo- sidesgiving. Loaded up on all the sides. Uh, I did have chicken and dumplings at one of them, but yeah, um, <laughs> I loaded up on all sides. Chicken and dumplings. Yeah, that was at one of the Thanksgiving. Did you have sweet potato casserole? Sure did at both. Oh of my them. goodness, man. Dude. My Chronic. sister-in-law, Lindsay, sweet potato casserole is like. What's what's your favorite Thanksgiving? I could sell it on the streets. So that's your favorite Thanksgiving side. Uh that and the Hawaiian rolls. I love stovetop stuffing. Yeah. Did you happen to have the new White Castle stuffing? No. This was new this year. We got like a a, um, a crave case, mm. and you like ripped them up and stuff like that, and then you baked them, and then you made a White Castle stuffing. Sounds like I had some. It was good. Sounds like the bathroom. Shout out to Cindy for that one. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. Well, it is a holiday, and we're going to get into that because we have a couple guests lined up for you tonight. We have an old friend and a new friend. So I'm excited to get into this tonight. Let's get started. They have one timeout left. 23-year-old Tony Pike waits for the snap, has the football, short drop, lobs one down the sideline for Bins, he's got it, touchdown, 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 Armand Bins catches a perfect throw, there's a penalty flag back at the 30-yard line, it's on pit, touchdown, now the Bearcats with 33 seconds to go can take their first lead if Jacob Rogers can kick the extra point. We have a couple things lined up. First and foremost, we have a guest here. Most of you know him as the Beer Cat on Twitter. Uh, also, he has a blog. Uh, Ed, you got the... It's GoBeerCats.com. Excellent. Easy enough. Um, some of you know him as Brandon. So, Brandon, we do welcome you to pardon the punctuation. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. It's good to be on... City Beat's third best sports coverage in Cincinnati. Everybody's got to be somebody, man. (laughs) (laughs) So we had you on tonight. 
uh, I know we had talked about having you on a couple weeks ago, and we were able to kind of make things work tonight. So, big game last week for Bearcats football where I want to start, mostly because it is December 5th, which, if you're a Bearcats football fan, you know as Pike to Ben's Day. Is that an official uh, hashtag? It's an official holiday. Oh, I didn't know this. Okay. kind of want to start with football, though. A lot of good things happened last week in that Bearcats versus Memphis game. What were some of your takeaways as you watched that game? Well, I was watching the game down in Asheville, North Carolina, trying to drink every single craft beer that I could get my hands on, which I was pretty successful in doing. Uh, so we watched the game, and what stuck out to me, uh, probably like it did most of everyone else, was you know uh, QB one Ben Bryant. I was uh, so I thought, impressed with him. I was impressed. I thought he. I think you know he still looked a little green, or you know, kind of working out those first start jitters uh but overall i thought i thought he looked really good i think it's going to be crazy interesting next year when you have a second mr ohio on this (laughs) uc football team coming in evan prater at quarterback you also have ben bryant who's shown that he's got a cannon an arm and then you also have the incumbent starter Desmond Ritter, it's going to be really interesting next year come quarterback. And it's, I think, something Luke Fickle will say is it's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. That's what I was going to uh, say. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it, it'll be, I mean, does he open it up to, you know, uh, open competition or is he, I mean, he seems to be pretty uh, hell bent with sticking uh, no matter, you know, to, to Des Ritter no matter what. Um, whether I'm sure there's, Depending, depends on who you talk to. Plenty of people with an opinion on that. Yeah, that's a good point. I think if, definitely for the rest of the season, we're probably going to stick with Des Ritter. But like you said, when we get to uh, training camp time, it's I guess it's going to be you know whoever shows up best, right? It's got to be. <clears throat> I would think so. So we'll it'll be an interesting follow of that. I think uh, a couple things I have uh, highlighted here for Ben Bryant uh, for this past weekend's game, he was sacked five times. Uh, and when you're getting your first start, that's got to rattle you a little bit. Absolutely. Well, and I think, that's one of the things uh, that, I think that's one of the things that happened, too, throughout the course of the game is with a pocket passer as opposed to someone who's as mobile as Des Ritter, you actually saw some of the weakness of the offensive line. I mean, we've seen throughout the season the offensive line as far as the penalties go and things like that, but we actually got to see just this offensive line not getting that push that it needed to protect the quarterback. Yeah, that's a good point, something I didn't necessarily think of. I mean, maybe you, maybe uh, Ritter runs out of – Two or three of those, where Ben Bryant's trying to step up in the pocket to release it. That's that's a pretty good point. And to that point, I think uh, so. The Bearcats are now the the highest penalized team in college football. And I was trying to find online somewhere before I uh, before you guys called. Is there a a website that keeps track of who these penalties are called on? Because I feel as though it's the same guy every week. I'm on college football reference, and I'm kind of looking at the players right now to see if it shows penalties. That's a good. Uh, that's a great question, though. I don't. I don't see anything here right now, but I'll, I'll look around. As we yeah, talk- I, I looked at like two or three different places. I couldn't find like an individualized uh, stat line for that. But I feel so. I don't know if it's. I feel though it's just it's just one guy that's like I don't know seventy percent of of the false starts. Fifty one. Yes. Is that Mets, I think it is? 
Mets, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you can even like if you guys watch those uh, Wired Wednesdays video videos that the uh, UC puts out. Uh, I forget which guy they had it that week, but this guy just comes up to the line, screams his name, and he jumps. <laughs> <laughs> he is, in all fairness, uh, that was one of the guys that Justin Williams did highlight uh, at the very beginning of the season when he had him, when we had him on the show. And he did mention that Mets is a freshman coming in. He was a big boy, big, big boy, and, and he was excited to see him this year. But, again, you know, he is a freshman, and sometimes you're going to have to go through some of the growing pains of having a freshman start. Yeah, and we've, we've definitely felt that now throughout the season here. Bear in mind, next year you do have uh, the big fella coming down from Michigan who wasn't eligible this year because of all the stuff that went down in the uh, in the off season. Well, this yeah, so in that... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, go, go ahead. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I saw. I follow him on Twitter. He was, he was tweeting like, uh, I don't. I don't know the the transfer like the sit out rules and stuff. But it was, he was tweeting like he would be back with the team this week. Well, that'd be interesting. Yeah, they may allow um, him to practice at this point. I don't know. Oh, uh, practicing with the team maybe. He's pro- well. The season's technically over. He's not going to be bowl eligible. I wouldn't think. But they may allow him to practice with the team now yeah, that the the, uh, the regular season's over. That'd be actually. Then maybe he could help. Uh, you know some of the current players with uh, you know the, the upcoming game. Maybe could be big. So, did you have any other takeaways? I know that was one of your takeaways. You said you had some written down. Yeah, well, I have here. So, on my uh, after every football game, I usually post uh, post something on the blog, like a recap. And on my recap for this past game, it says. Well, it says, I said, that his, Ben Bryant's average pass, if you, he threw for like 230 yards, 20 for 32 completion, but his average pass was only seven yards. That's not good. Which I, no, that, I found that very interesting. I mean, I think a lot of people, uh, like, complain about Dez probably with the same, same average on several games, but the notion or the idea that Bryant has the big arm, so when when I did the math there, that kind of uh, threw threw me off a little bit. So just a seven yard completion per pass. Yeah, it's a lot like uh, what's the Bengals quarterback name? Andy Dalton. No, the other one. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Finley. Yeah, Ryan Finley. Huh. But he's doing better than Ryan Finley in just one game, so that's good. Well, I mean, it is. Yeah, I mean, the NFL man. <laughs> But, no, I, that actually surprised me, and I guess it doesn't because there were a lot of deep opportunities that it kind of – I'm trying to make too many points at the same time. One of the <laughs> things that I noticed was our receivers were exposed for not being as good a caliber as they were last year because Bryant was getting it to him and it kind of hitting him where you needed to hit a receiver. Uh, Pierce had the height over pretty much any cornerback who was on him. He was making the jumps, but he just couldn't bring the ball in. Like, he needs to be able to make adjustments to the ball, and I don't feel like he was really able to do that in a couple of different situations. The only receiver that I could see who you pretty much could rely on every time you threw him the damn ball was Saguara. Outside of that, you know, obviously next year we have Prater's brother coming in also. Um, we have uh, Blue Smith coming in from Ohio State. So we have those two transfers both coming from the number one team in the nation, the, the Buckeyes. That's not going to do anything but bolster this receiving core. And with Ritter and the run game with way, the way it's been this year, 
we haven't had to rely on the pass a whole awful lot. It's kind of been one of those things you fall back on after the run's been established. And we just, I don't know, having a quarterback who's actually got a cannon, they weren't able to catch the ball downfield. Not at all. And I think it was on your your guys' Facebook group uh, for the Temple game where I, I pointed out that uh, in the first half against Temple, our wide receivers couldn't catch a cold. Uh, and that was not <laughs> yeah. that's not Des Ritter's fault. And right. people jumped on me for, I don't know if it was defending Ritter. I don't think it was. I think it was more highlighting that our receivers in that game or that half just did not have what it took to catch a football. It's it's disappointing, really, because it's on offense, outside of the offensive line, and more so that one tackle than anything, wide receivers a glaring need. And I guess that's you know something to be said for Fickle and – this offense is that with the offense having some of the glaring needs that it has in receiver and offensive line outside of that Ohio state game, they've not been embarrassed and they've still found ways to win regardless of those needs that any team who's watching film is going to know. Did you have anything else that you noticed in the, in your notes? Uh, one thing, uh, another thing I talked about on, on the, the, the review was the, the fourth down call. Man. A lot of uh, Twitter lit itself on fire when uh, when Fickle went for it. On was that was that fourth and one or fourth and short? Fourth and I think it was uh, fourth and one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, after I love what he said after the game. He's like, I go, I go for it every single time and twice on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know. What do you What do you guys think about that? I'm with him because. I feel like it's pretty much a known rule as far as coaches go, and you see this play out more often than not, is any time that you are on the road, you don't play for the tie. You play for the win. It's much harder to go into overtime in anyone else's stadium than it's going to be in your own. So if you got the chance, and let's be real, like we've relied on the run game all year long. So if your run game is not going to get it done, you're probably not going to win this game anyway. So you relied on the run. It didn't work out. I'm with him, though. I love the call. That wasn't the thing that set me on fire. I'll go into what set me on fire here in a moment. But, yeah, I'm I'm with the call. I love it. I, I agree with you. I mean, plus, I mean, you were, you're in the championship game no matter what. Yeah. And, of course, it, of course it's, it plays better if you're, if you're going to win that game. Uh, but I, I like the, the aggressiveness and, and play like you have nothing to lose. You know, I, I'm definitely with Fickle on that on that call in that situation. I don't know about the play call on that play, but going for it, I like. I was happy that it was north and south because I feel like anytime they tried to get a little cutesy with it and run it, you know, east and west, it wasn't working out for him at all during the game. It was not. And then, I, if I remember right, the play it was like it was a handoff out of the shotgun. It was uh, that much. It was yeah, like a delayed handoff. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know about all that, but the, I feel like you could almost run. A, I, like. I feel like you could almost run a power eye with both Dokes and Warren in the game, and not know which running back you're actually giving the ball to. But I don't know. So that I don't know. I, I'm like I said, I'm I'm with Fickle as far as the call is like going for it. But yeah, I'm with you as far as I don't know if it was the best offensive call. That is what it is, but Fickle's not actually the one out there making the offensive calls either. What was it that triggered right. you? What triggered me was 
I hate being blamed the ref guy, but I feel like we got homered by the refs a couple times. Two instances that I can think of off the top of my head, and those were the ones that made me the most upset, I guess. The catch that wasn't a catch on third down when Memphis caught the ball and it extended a play that they ended up scoring on where the guy caught the ball, he hit the turf, ball bounces up, UC actually recovers it. I'm with the refs. It wasn't a fumble. Good call, but it also wasn't a catch. You didn't make a football move. You caught it, hit the ground, pops up. Not a catch. No, that's fair. The ground can't cause a fumble, though. Can't cause a fumble. And I'm not arguing that. It wasn't a fumble, but it wasn't a catch. Okay. You gotta, If you're going to the ground with the ball, you got to maintain control of the ball. It's fair. Any thoughts on that? No, I, I'm with you there. That uh, I was in disbelief. I'm not because – I mean, it's Memphis and – like, just the history between it, between the two teams, like, I was expecting it, but that still didn't make it any more, uh, you know, outrageous. Well, I read on Twitter that Penny Hardaway paid that ref. <laughs> Get out um, of here. So he helped his family move. Happened. Yeah, he helped that ref's family <laughs> move a couple of years ago um, after a flood or something. The other thing that, pe- yeah. like, that, that set me off, man, was the call on, uh, I forget the kid's name where he got called for basically hitting the other player in the oh, face yeah, yeah, yeah. after the play was over. These teams both went at it well after the whistle the whole game. For the refs to decide you have excessive roughness on just one player. On one play. Oh, that was so weak. The whole so game. Weak. I don't know, man. Like, stay consistent. If you're going to let people go after the play, let people go after the play. That's fine. If you want to take control of the game, take control of the game in the first quarter, not in the fourth quarter on a third down that extends a drive where they go and score, game over. We've had we've played after the play after the whistle harder than that in flag football and I got to call. Like it's I remember rolling around the ground on the on the ground with a guy once and he we both had our fists at each other and it was no flag. I don't know. It just it seemed like they were just extending the play for TV. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I couldn't explain it because, again, you don't make that call on anybody else the rest of the entire game. It drove me insane. How about the Memphis guy claiming that um, we were we punched their equipment manager with I, a minute and 30 seconds left? I saw that on Twitter. I also saw that he said that there was video available where somebody, like somebody recorded the whole thing. Yeah. That would have gone bananas Viral. Viral. on social media. Memphis would have, yeah, it would have been everywhere. I don't think that happened. I don't think it happened either. He's since deleted his comment about that. Did he? Yeah. Weird. Hmm. <laughs> After the play, you, have you if you if you thought the refs were bad this past weekend <laughs> with all with all the money on the line for this conference and the question mark that if UC does win, do we get the Cotton Bowl? I think I don't I don't know if. I don't know what we're in store for on Saturday. God, I haven't even thought of that as far as, like, it being the American Conference refs <laughs> playing for the Cotton Bowl. We in Memphis, mil- millions of dollars on the line for the conference. I still am with all of Bearcat's Twitter that we have put together a better resume than Boise State, and regardless of who wins this game, it should be that team going to the Cotton Bowl. A hundred percent. Like it's 
Boise State, uh, Boise State's beaten Florida State. Is that their best win? I think so. I don't know. I didn't I'm looking research. up right now. I was going to say, I didn't research Boise State. But I know that I be- if I'm – and I'm going off of people's Twitter comments here, but I think UC had the number 45 toughest schedule in the NCAA, whereas I want to say Boise State's was like 94. And to go one loss on a 94 versus two loss on a 45, and your only two losses were to Memphis, top 25, Ohio State, number one. Come on, man. Yeah, Florida State looks like the only big win they've had. I mean, Wyoming, New Mexico. I don't know. Oh, they're out of Florida, Florida State's garbage. looking for a new coach. Oh, yeah. Prime time. No, according to according, – no, that's, that's USC. Never mind. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Good try, Ed. I'm an idiot. Um, and I believe I read somewhere today that every team that we played in our out-of-conference is playing for their own conference. Ohio State is. So I think Marshall is. <laughs> and is UCLA? Ooh, I don't know about that one. No, that wouldn't that be like Arizona or Arizona State? UCLA. I'm trying to look it up real quick. So yeah, you see always third in the Pac-12 South. Then they're not playing for that. Somebody was wrong. Yep, that is true. Even still, I'd put that resume up against Boise State all day long. Oh yeah, Absolutely. yeah. And I don't understand what anyone from Appalachia State thinks they're bringing to the table, but they're completely delusional. I still am on my soapbox saying that. We should fill the void that UConn left in the conference by inviting Appalachian State into the conference. I'm kind of indifferent on that. Not just not just them, but for anyone. Like I think we I don't know it with Notre Dame. They don't want it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, moving on to the crosstown shootout and all of that. So UC's played eight games now. We got eight games under the belt. Um, we just recently played Vermont in what I feel was our best win of the season. Did you have any takeaways from this week's game? I thought we looked really good against Vermont. I know Vermont, I think Vermont was down their two best players or two. I mean, two two guys that contribute a lot to them. So not to take anything away from us, uh, but I think it, it was a solid win and. Uh, Javen Cumberland continues to impress. I think for me, I thought he was going to be good. I didn't know he was going to be lights out good. Uh, and I think he's filling in for you know his injured cousin very well. I concur wholeheartedly. Some of the other things that I took away, though, Keith Williams had a hell of a game for the first time well, this the season. Second time. It's the second time this season. He yeah. had a hell of a game the week before, too. Going four for four, yeah, though, with 23? Uh, I mean, when it came down to, to clutch – Clutch points, Keith, Keith Williams, the game before. It was good. Yeah, he went on a seven or eight point run by himself uh, that game, didn't he? I believe he was, so. Pull up his stats right now. In any case, you're seeing him and you're seeing Trey Scott both finally start to figure out this offense, and that's encouraging to me because at the beginning of the season, I'm on record on this podcast saying that Trey Scott looks lost. Well, he, he still does kind of look lost, but – that last game, you're correct. He he started like kind of find his way. I think it was because Jaron was back, and Jaron was actually playing pretty good. He he was nailing those threes that he's new, normally hitting. Uh, they were calling 
stupid charge calls when he usually drives in the hole like that. But I think they're kind of meshing again. And, you know, Brennan, Johnny Brennan, is, uh, you know, kind of getting getting on the side that he wants him to be on, which is always nice. Yeah, yeah I think Keith Williams, I mean, the UNLV game, I mean, that was his this maybe his, his breakout or shine-through game. I think he can just continues to get better. And something that I thought I noticed about him, and then he confirmed it in the press conference after the uh, the Vermont win, is that he's changed his shot. It looks it doesn't look as um, I don't I don't even know how to say it, but it does it looks much more smooth, much more textbook now than it did the past couple of seasons. And sometimes those little those little tweaks in your shot will definitely get you back on that track that you need to be on. Happen to be a lot, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I mean, with I, I think for the for the shootout here, first off, like I'm I'm on the record on on Twitter saying that any presidential candidate who uh, campaigns on moving a shootout to February has my full support. Yeah, I'm in there too. Uh, I I don't like early December games, especially on Championship Saturday. Uh, just another reason I despise Xavier. Uh, <laughs> I, if looking at like I don't watch Xavier basketball or listen to them on the radio. So I watch them one game a year, and that's all I care to stomach them. But Same. when I look them up here, their best win, I think I would call, is Connecticut, UConn, and I don't know how good of a win that is yet. And their only loss is to Florida, which – One of the things that – Florida usually – Go ahead. I was just going to say they're usually, you know, top half of the SEC – and I wouldn't call SEC a basketball conference. No, agreed. One of the things that everybody's been saying about Xavier, um, and I want to say even the coach has said this at one point, um, they just can't shoot this year. They couldn't shoot last year either, though. It's worse this year, yeah, I feel fair. like. But their their defense is pretty stellar. Uh, it's really weird that Xavier might have the best defense in the city. That's weird to say. Really weird. <laughs> Where's Mick when we need him? I don't know, but I don't. If the offense that showed up against Vermont, well, from if, from Cincinnati, if the offense that showed up versus Vermont, it that showed up for the first ten minutes of the second half shows up, we're gonna win. If the offense that showed up that in the second, last, ch- yeah. yeah, that's that's not gonna be a win for us. I think we go so Teddy, or as I affectionately like to call him, or or Jaron. He so he's listed as questionable today. Yeah. In the past yep. three, in a, the past three shootouts, he's put up fifteen, fifteen, and nineteen. So yes. him, it's usually a decent game for. I mean, fifteen as a freshman coming into that type of game that was impressive. I mean, I remember watching that game. So that was my favorite game um, ever when I had season tickets. <laughs> that was my favorite game ever. I'm just sitting in my stands yelling. He's just a freshman. He's, and it was great because J.P. McCarra didn't know what to do with him. He just kept – it was like a freight train. It was great. I I'm going to go back and watch that tonight, actually, I think. But As I long think, as TV Teddy's not there. Yeah. Well, we we know how that goes. Uh, but something Mo Egger said tonight on the ride home, um, which he, it's a good point. I hadn't I didn't think about it until he said, said it tonight. Um, when Mick was here – he always treated the Crosstown shootout like it was just another game. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's almost like a burden on him. 
Um, I think John Johnny Brennan. I'm going to go with Johnny. Johnny Brennan is really embracing this game and you know making sure his players know how big of a game this is, and that could actually end up working in our favor uh, in the long run. I think. Cronin, uh, uh, he always he downplayed it like to a fault. I think, at least in my eyes. Yeah. And so, something that'll be interesting. We have Xavier's coach. This will be his second shootout as a head coach. And then now we have we have Johnny Brandon here coming in. We have so we have a lot of new blood, but will we have the same edge? Because like you get you watch like other college rivalries, it didn't seem like it doesn't seem like other two other teams dislike each other as much as Xavier and Cincinnati. So with the new with the new coaching staff, a lot of new players, is that edge still going to be there? I hope so. I hope it's brought back because you're correct. Like it, that edge hasn't been there since probably the fight. And I think I hope that it is actually brought back with uh, Johnny Brennan, and you know, I think uh, people in the city are going to like that, and I think the alumni is going to like that because you know the alumni that was kind of a big thing of theirs too is that Mick didn't treat that game the way it was, and and we all know how Huggins treated that game. I mean, he it was it was a rival for him. I was actually it, every game was a big game for him according to Melvin, but. Um, I think the Crosstown shootout is going to be back, which is great because I can buy more basketballs. I don't know. If you're going to get up for any game, you have to get up for Xavier. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Period. Like, these players are going to have to bring their game. And honestly, I know it's early in the season, but I feel like this is the type of game, and <clears throat> especially knowing the rivalry that's there, knowing what kind of come tournament time, what kind of notch this can be in your belt if you actually get this W – this is a big game, and this is the type of game that you can launch the rest of your season on. It doesn't matter that we lost to Ohio State. They're top ten in the country now. Fine. You can still move forward and use this as the day everything changed. And I don't watch um, a lot of Xavier basketball either, but it was on one night. Nothing else was on, and, you know, I didn't have any trash to take out or anything. So I watched a little bit of it. What was that? I was going to say you need to get Disney Plus or something. Yeah, well, it was before <laughs> Disney Plus came out, I think. Uh, but definitely if I had Disney Plus, I would have switched over to that. Um, but there's a guy on their team, Zach Fremantle, I think is his name. Um, he's going to be the new J.P. Makira. He's going to be the guy that we all dislike. He's going to be the guy who's going to go out there and do the Gator Chomp. Um, but now that I'm looking at his stats, he's only averaging six points a game, so he may not be. But just the looks of him, you you guys will see it. It's, Got a punchable face? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> a real punchable face? Yeah. 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 If, if you go down Xavier's roster as well, I think someone who's been playing uh, much better than a lot of us anticipated, uh, vote. I think he's going to have a big game. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I think if you look up and down Xavier's roster, they have one guy, 6'11", and he's a freshman. Uh, so I think... If we can get him the ball early, keep him out of foul trouble, I think he can do – he might be able to be that guy that comes out of nowhere. Usually you have, you know, the the unsung hero in a right. rivalry game like this. I think he has potential to do that this game because I don't know if Xavier will have an answer for him. Well, I think that is a big key right there too is keeping um, vote out of, out of foul trouble because you're right. We need the big guys in there, and I don't know how the Spaniard's doing. Uh, I haven't gotten an update on him in a while. He's not back yet, and I think Vote's been out there for like 38 minutes a game the last few games. So he's he's definitely put more on his back than I actually expected him to be asked. I didn't know how, what they were going to do if they're going to run Trey Scott more out of the five and run a little bit smaller. 
But no, Vote's been out there most of the game, and I've I've been impressed with what he's been doing out there, given the amount of time that he's been on the floor. And I think he has been back in the gym too, because um, now when he's flexing down the court, he's actually flexing. He's actually flexing. <laughs> so that's muscle. good. That's good. <laughs> So, and so for yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'll go just say on for this weekend two two things to watch as far as UC coaches are concerned. Luke Fickle has never beaten Memphis. It's been a long time since well Cronin never won at Centos, so it's been a long time since the Bearcats have won at Xavier. So that's true. Both coaches have something have the, the opportunity to do something that hasn't been done yet. Let's get these at least mon- for a while. Yeah, let's get these monkeys off our backs. and Because uh, I don't know that my heart can handle two losses on Saturday <laughs> within <laughs> roughly a four-hour span. And I don't, I don't want another overtime game for the Crosstown shootout. No. Either. No. I mean, Chris, no, it's been a while. Chris Vogt tweeted after the game, after the Vermont game, that he's – did anybody else feel like that game was five minutes shorter? I don't – it just seemed like a shorter game. So and it was I, a shorter game that's by a, about five minutes. That's a great tweet. You missed the joke. I got it. You, you because we didn't go over to overtime. You delivered it terribly. I, you didn't let me finish delivering it. I delivered it This terribly. is ridiculous. Okay. So something else we wanted to bring up uh, is a topic that you brought up in the Facebook page. Uh, the best um, nicknames for former UC Hoopers. Um, and, and I thought there were some good ones sitting out there. Was that your computer again? No. Okay. But I thought there were some good ones sitting out there, and it kind of brought back a lot of memories. Um, especially, well, I don't think anybody ever called him Pretty Boy Bobby Brennan, but uh, Baywatch Bobby Brennan. Um, Nick the Quick. Nick the Quick. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody called Gary Clark the old, old school. school? That, yeah, I don't know. That. He's the problem. He was a problem. Keith Gregg yeah, was called that, Keith. Yeah. I mean, that was a great topic. And so, <laughs> what was what was your favorite uh, UC Hooper nickname? Well, the, the reason I was thinking about that is I, I was trying to like I was trying to think of those shirts that uh, like there's one for the the 2009 football team. It's like Pike and Pike and this and this and this person, this person. Oh yeah, yeah. And I I was trying to think like it'd be cool if someone did one of those types of shirts. But with like nicknames of former, like nicknames of former UC basketball players, and I was like, I was stuck trying to think of a, like, I was like the helicopter, and I was like Kmart, you know. Uh, but I was like, I was like, I know there are some way better ones out there than that. So that's kind of like where <laughs> the guns. Yeah, completely forgot about that. So I, the gunslinger is obviously, you know, up there. And uh, I mean, the helicopter's hard to beat as well. And that, I mean, that's a nick, that's a nickname definitely earned. Yeah, and yeah. I think you had friend of the show. Was that is that uh, his Melvin his... Levitt? Yeah. Oh yeah, Melvin. But no, Meacham the, had that T-shirt. The T-shirt is Meacham. Yeah. Fletch to yeah, but he also had one. Came out to Fletch. To, yeah. uh, to helicopter, right? But he also had the the other one that he was talking about the Pike. Um, Oh, I forget what it's called. I didn't pull like, it up right now. I haven't seen it. It's like Pike and Pete and... I yeah. Think, I, I forget who else was on the shirt, but... I miss saying that, too, that he was going to pee all over the offense. But I peed. West Coast... Was it West Coast T-shirts? It wasn't West Coast Customs. No. No, because that's a different place. I don't know that. That's your domain, Bo. I, can, I can't find it. But that would be a, uh, a cool T-shirt to put out there, I think. I'm working on a t-shirt right now where I took the uh, iconic what? What? I took the iconic uh rebound 
from Oscar Robertson mm. and turn mm-hmm. it into a silhouette, and I'm gonna put that on a hoodie. It's probably I like true. that. How's it trademark? I don't know. I'm just saying it probably is. I created it myself. Mm. Well, I mean, I did the outline. I feel like you could do the outline without getting in trouble. Maybe. I mean, I'm not selling them. Unless it's been trademarked. Unless somebody wants to buy one, then I'll, I'll sell it. Cool. Well, unless you got anything else, that was pretty much all we wanted to go over with you. Yeah, I think I mean we co- I think we cover a lot of stuff there. Uh, I don't have anything else. You guys don't. Um, real quick, what are your predictions for the games on Saturday? You always do this to people. That's fine. Okay. Uh, for the for the American Athletic Championship game, I'm going to say I want to say Sam Crosso delivers once again at the gun, delivering a three point win for the Bearcats. And I also think I think and the, the shootout has a tendency to to be a blowout, right? One way or the other. Um, and I, because I hate Xavier, I'll say I'll say Bearcats by 18. Bearcats by 90. You heard it here. I was about to say Bearcats <laughs> by 90. Bearcats by 90. All right. Well, go ahead. Throw your uh, throw your website out there one more time if you want to uh, read Brandon's blog. Yeah, it is uh, gobeercats.com. Uh, talk a lot about the Bearcats and the craft beer scene in Cincinnati. And then I'm very involved on Twitter as well. Go Bearcats. There you awesome. have it. Bearcats, not to be confused with Bearcats. We're talking beer. What was your favorite beer that you had while you were down in uh, – you said Asheville. it was Asheville, right? Uh, I had probably too many to, to answer that, but my favorite <laughs> brewery that I went to, uh, this brewery is called uh, Archetypes Brewing. We actually ate Thanksgiving there. They had like a Thanksgiving Day potluck. You nice. brought a dish, and they had uh, turkey uh, catered from a, a barbecue place that was local, uh, and that was a, a really cool place. Good beer, good vibe. So I just recently went down there for the first time back in July, August maybe, and we stuck around the downtown area, and I think my favorite one was One World, which is in the basement of the of a Mexican restaurant. And they had a Oktoberfest beer that was freaking amazing, and they had another one called like the Velvet Kitty Cat, which was like a. Anyways, that one was okay, but check that one out next time you're down there. All right, Brandon. Absolutely. Uh, we do thank you for joining us tonight, and uh, we'll have you on again soon. Awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Have a good night. You got it. It's all right, because I'm safe by the... So I told you we had multiple things lined up for you tonight. So, friend of the show, returning for who knows how many times, uh, Clay track. Snowden of Locked on Reds. Clay, how you been? I've been great. I'm so excited to be back. And even though it's the off season, still have time to talk about obviously going on with the Reds. And um, the off season is usually the most optimistic part for Reds fans, so I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we just wanted to cover a couple topics with you here real quick just because there has been activity, obviously, um, as we have arguably our biggest off-season signing in years in uh, Mike Moustakis. So I, I just kind of want to get going right away with that. Um, how do you feel about the, the signing of this guy? Because there's a lot of people out there saying we overpaid. Sure. Um, so Mike Moustakis is the highest paying Reds free agent, um, which is kind of a funny sentence to say. Um, Moustakis, I've actually personally been a fan of his 
forever since he was with the Royals. Just like easy guy to like, um, good guy in the clubhouse, a great bat. Um, he is going to play second base. He's 31 years old. Does not have a ton of time playing second base, which is kind of like a lot of people's, um, you know, kind of stick. He only has, I think, 47 games at second base um, and only, you know, 359.2 innings. So it's not exactly a great look there, but um, as a player, he's a great player. Um, we did we quote unquote overpay, sure. But what I've always said is kind of like the way that you get players certain places. I'm also a Buffalo Bills fan, so I can relate to this a lot. For instance, the Bills, if they want a certain free agent, they have to overpay to get them to come to Buffalo. Sometimes like you have to Beasley. overpay to get a player to come. You have to give them their terms to get them where you want them at that time. Sure. is probably could have signed in a bigger market a quote-unquote better team. You know, there's better situation in terms of the perfect signing for him. So us giving him maybe the guaranteed years that he wanted with four, or maybe us giving him the $64 million he was wanting, those type of things, as a fan, you cannot look at it as, oh, well, the Yankees could have given him or the, you know, the so-and-so could have given him X, Y, and Z. You got to look at it as like, if you want him here, here's the price it's going to take. And if you think that's an overpay, well, that's how you get them to a team that usually does not, as we've seen in the past, pull players like this. So, yeah, maybe we did overpay. That's okay. Maybe he overperforms. So that's kind of the way I like to look at it. I'm excited about the signing. The defense will not be flashy. Um, but other than that, we're getting a great bat. Uh, and somebody who I think Red Sands are going to really fall in love with. Well, on top of that, there's some other things you have to kind of consider as well when you're looking at that contract because they released some of the terms of that contract today, and it's a backloaded contract. So right. Joey Votto is off the hook in, what, two years? He's got two seasons left, correct? I think he's yeah, I think he is 2023. I'm not exactly sure. I, okay. I, I can look it up as, as, as you keep going, though. Even still, um, you're looking at the end of that contract when Joey's off the hook. So at that point, right? you know, maybe that, that contract isn't looking so bad when you consider yeah, things so like the, that. So the Votto contract has a 2024 club option for $7 million buyout. So 2024 is like the year of the decision on Votto. So it lines up similar to that contract. But the way that the team's kind of constructed now, you got Suarez prime, you got the pitching staff aligned perfectly all around their prime. Um, Other pieces are falling into place. This oh, let's sign the young guy. Sometimes you just have to pay for a contract that's going to benefit you for two years and the two years at the end may bite you in the ass, but those first two years are worth it. Sometimes you got to do that. That's business. You know, that's how you cannot always have the perfect situation. And Mike Moustakis knows that too. And his agent knows that. And that's why they picked us because 
they wanted security of a long term because when this guy's 35 years old, he's not performing as well. He still wants to be making the money. That's okay for both sides for me because that's how business works. You know, you get the good and the bad. We both know it. Um, hopefully he comes in right, you know, ready to hit and improve that second base position that was struggling mightily in 2018. Now, we also had... Or, 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 or excuse me, 2019. Now, we also had some tender signings and some guys that we let walk. So, Herget, a guy that you really liked going into last season... Why are we, I why, did. Just real quick, why, why are we picking up guys on tender? Get out of here, man. Okay, all right. I thought it was perfect time for a joke. Terrible, terrible joke. <laughs> um, we're swiping right on guys. We're swiping left. <laughs> we're doing hard breakups. I'm definitely. Which one's the bad swipe? Like, which one's like you don't want them? Well, Herget's gone. Peraza's gone. Is that left or right? I don't know. I don't I, know either. We but grew I'm up. Left. We grew up just after Tinder. I'm swiping the the way that you don't want to swipe for Homer Bailey. So, well, so the guys that are gone, Jose Peraza was probably the one that most people would argue over. Um. There's a lot of Peraza guys out there saying, you know, he's only 25 years old or whatever he is. But, I mean, he's been in the league for like four or five years, bits and pieces. Um, I think Jose Peraza is what he is. I think he's going to improve much. Granted, the Reds did not give him the best opportunity to improve by making him kind of this weird platoonish slash utility guy who's playing outfield when he shouldn't be playing outfield. Either way, the Peraza experiment being over is good for the Reds. Um, Simply because a Reds playoff team in 2020 does not have a Jose Peraza on it. That's just not how it works. Could he be a good player? Yes. Um, He'll probably go somewhere to a non-contending team, get at bats, and be a fine player. and Good for him, but if you're a playoff team, Jose Praza is not part of the equation. I agree. Kevin Gosman was let go. I think that had more to do with the fact that he was up for arbitration. He would have been getting somewhere from what I read in the ballpark of $10 million a year. No one wanted to pay him that. Um, there's still a chance he could return as a free agent, technically, at a much lower rate. Um, I thought it was because he just Jimmy wasn't very good. is gone. Jimmy Herget's gone, sadly. Um, a great minor league pitcher with a cool arm angle that never really had a spot with the Reds. I'm not ready to say that he's not an MLB pitcher, but the Reds did not think so. So I think the Rangers picked him up. So he will get a shot at being on a 40-man roster now if he ever gets a shot at pitching in the majors again, who knows, but at least he has a kind of a fast track at getting a shot considering he's already on a 40-man roster elsewhere. You also lost uh, Matt Bowman? Or no, you kept Matt Bowman, right? Correct. And anybody else I'm missing then? Now, one guy that we did pick up is Jose DeLeon. Um, he was a good prospect years back with the Dodgers, went to Tampa Bay, had Tommy John surgery. I mean, this guy was like a legit prospect. Um, still young. He's on the 40-man roster now. He's someone to keep an eye on because he's one of those guys that 
couple of years in a row without having consistency because of injury. Like he has the talent. Now, if he still does after the injuries, that's what we're here to find out. But at one point in time, you know, he had the talent. So he's somebody who can definitely contribute this year in the bullpen, probably. Um, a couple other guys that have been added to the roster that Judge Schaefer's added, pitcher of the Blue Jays last year to some success with the bullpen. Um, Ryan Hendricks, who was in the Reds organization last year, very much a successful pitcher in the minors. He could get a shot. Um, those are just a couple of the bullpen arms that are sleepers. I mean, spring training coming around. I think that somebody else will be brought in to pitch in the bullpen before then. I should hope so. Our bullpen is in drastic need of a complete overhaul, in my opinion. I think I, I think your microphone went out. Dang it, Ed. I said drastically. I, I think our, our bullpen's in need of a complete overhaul. Well, the bullpen right now, um, the people that everyone likes in the bullpen, you got Amir Garrett, Michael Lorenzen, and Robert Stevenson, kind of. Um, I, I think that Lucas Sims has earned a spot. And then you have some guys like a Cody Reed, who people are kind of counting on a bounce back for an extra lefty, kind of taking the role to Zach Duke on April the, that failed last year. Rossell Iglesias, you have a lot of mixed reviews on. And then there's just, like, names. You know, there's just other people. Matt Bowman, like, guys who have pitched okay. And that's why I think you need to bring in more names. Because, as much as I hate to say, like, a lot of these guys have shown some promise, but it's funny because, you know, whenever you watch your team, you see, like, some guys show promise. Like, yeah, give them a shot, give them a shot. But it's like, we haven't been a contender or anything close to it in years. Like, this is part of the reason why. Because you shouldn't be a give-it-a-shot guy. You should be a we-need-bona-fide-pitchers-in-the-bullpen type fan. Um, so, you know, it's it's cool to think we want to give these guys a shot and they showed some promise. But it's also cool to think bring in guys who have shown at this level in the MLB that they can pitch and let them compete for the jobs with them and, you know, let them compete and see what happens. And that's kind of what I'm in favor of. I'm sure there's some other options internally that they could bring up. And um, But I would look for them to add two bullpen arms to the spring training roster um, and then obviously non-roster invitees. You know, like kind of what they did with Hughes and Hernandez a couple of years ago. And both of them had great years the first year that they were here. So it's just something for them to look into still. So one of the things going around right now with winter meetings coming up next week is people trying to predict these crazy trades that would benefit every team, blah, blah, blah. And there was a writer on ESPN yesterday who essentially had us trading Nick Lodolo, Tony Centian, and Amir Garrett in a three-way trade with Houston and Chicago. And in return, somehow we end up with um, one of the pitchers, I want to say James Jackson, is that right, for Houston? Um, or a name similar to that. 
and uh, and Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, yeah. What are yeah. your thoughts on any of this mess? So actually, uh, Jeff Carr was saying on Locked On Red that that article, like I saw the article as well. I did not read the full article, but I did see like the clipping. I saw a lot of talk about it. Apparently, that article is pretty common in terms of off-season talk. Where like it pretty much is, let's give a scenario for every single team. Absolutely. So and it's I, not a here's three trades can have this. Here's trades that we have to produce for every single team to get every single fan to click to produce content for us. So I get it, you know. Um, but I'll play along. Um, that trade would be kind of wild. Um, Chris Bryant, I do not think will resign with the Cubs when his contract's up. Concur. Um, so simply because of all of the service time stuff, I can't say I blame him. Chris Bryant is an elite talent. Um, he is somebody that does not come around often. He's still young. He's in his prime. I mean, he just has, I mean, he's 27 years old. He'll be 28 starting next year. I mean, this, this guy can play a couple of different positions. 3.6 war last year, 282 batting average, 382 on base percentage, 31 home runs. I mean, he's just he can play third, he can play left. He would slot into left field with the Reds. Would it be a cool trade? Sure. Does that value match? No. I actually have no idea. Um, trading Amir Garrett would suck because I am an Amir Garrett fan beyond all belief. I just think his swag and what he brings to the team in the bullpen is amazing. Um, the other players, I'm kind of willing to trade, especially prospects. I'm going to win now you have to be willing to trade certain prospects. That's how it works. That's what teams want. They want future. You have to trade prospects. So am I willing to trade top prospects now players in their prime, yes. Um, obviously, the value has to match. But so I did not think the trade itself, in terms of value, was that like wild. Would I do it? Probably not. Um, but it was kind of a, a fun idea to float. If you get one more than one year out of Chris Bryant, if you can guarantee more than one year out of Chris Bryant, I'm all for that trade. Unfortunately, sure. I don't. I I'd almost rather go after an Azuna or a Castellanos, who are still out there as free agents without having to give anything up and getting a bat like that in this lineup. Yeah, and you'll see plenty of Reds fans. Or it seems I I don't know why more than any other sport. I follow tons of sports very closely. There's no other sport besides baseball that fans are so so fickle about players. They really want one for agent. They really hate another. Both of them are good players. They just one guy's, you know, not good at fielding. One guy's maybe strikes out too much. It's like net you know, not everyone's perfect, but Red fans in particular are really get upset when you talk about certain free agents and kind of mind boggling. But I um there's other cases. But anytime you talk about a trade that you can acquire Chris Bryant and give up a bullpen piece plus a prospect that struggled last year and, you know, another prospect, like, you pretty much make that trade. Then again, big trades within the division do not happen. It's simple. If you look at the history, it does not happen. Um, 
it doesn't really make too much sense to do it either. Like, here's some good future pieces, so in three years you can beat our ass. Like, that's just not a thing. Um, and that's why, like, the Starlin Marte stuff with the Pirates. Yep, saw that Trying to too. acquire him. That can be tr- tricky because he wants to play for a contender, he said, and I would love him to be a Red, but what do we give up? Their price tag, especially within division, will be different than if you're going to trade him to the Angels or the Royal, you know, to some random team. So what position do you think we still have to try and figure out here? And if you have to name one guy that you want us to go after in the positions that we still need to fill, who's that guy? So I think that probably going to continue to look into the free agents I think Hatcher, which they've looked into the past two years with JT two years ago and then, or excuse me, last year and then this year with Brando, uh, I think Hatcher's kind of off now because the Brewers just acquired the catcher from the Marlins. I can't remember, or the Mariners, I can't remember his name. I know who you're talking about. Uh, I was looking at him too. I Like after Grandal yeah, went off the board. I just acquired him. I think that at this point, catcher is just kind of like we got to focus elsewhere because there's really not that many great options right now and we have a pretty serviceable duo i mean a lot of fans get said it's serviceable it's fine um i think corner outfield is a area of need and a lot of people love jesse winker and i do too but he struggles against lefties he would be much better as a platoon piece or if we wanted to put him in a trade package to acquire a high-caliber outfielder. Um, a lot of people, and I don't blame them, you know, especially casual fans, can say, you know, right field, you know, weaker left, Irvin back up, Sinzel center, let's go. That's not going to do any better than last year. Um, Aquino was incredible in August and so much fun. And he was a complete disaster in September. And he was non-tendered at this point last season. Like, he has the tools. He has shown the tools at times in the minors, but not to the point that he was even kept on the roster and no one picked him up. The Reds gave him a minor league deal. I know he changed some things, but it would be a huge risk to say he's our starting right fielder 150 games a year next year. I would not like that. So I say you bring him in, you bring in competition, you either move Winker or you use him as a platoon. Maybe you platoon him in Aquino and bring in a right fielder. Um, rather that's free agency, rather that's trade. Um, some people have talked about moving Sinzel to a corner outfield, probably left field, not right field. but And then acquiring a center fielder, I mean, there's a lot of moves, but if I am running the Reds, I'm looking first in the outfield, and then, like I said, I think the catcher's kind of moved on from, so I'm either looking at bullpen. A lot of people, you know, there's talk about Madison Bumgarner in the fifth, you know, bringing in the extra piece into the bull, or the starting rotation to complete it. I don't want him for $100 million. Uh, I do not necessarily want them to sign Madison Bumgarner. I like him. I don't think he's 
got that many great years left in him. I don't think, I mean, he's 30 years old, but he's thrown a ton of innings, and he's a, still a really good pitcher. I just, there's just a lot of red flags with him. If for some reason, I just get a gut feeling. And I, I know I don't have the stats right now in front of me to back up. I just don't feel like he would fit well. Um, especially for the money. I mean, if you were telling me, you know, he wants $8 million a year, okay, sure, that's not going to be the case. So, if you're going to spend the money, spend it on the outfield. Um, there's probably pretty much trades that they may be looking into. Corey Dickerson's a name that would be like kind of a last resort thing in the free agency. And of course, everybody wants to say Mookie Betts. I don't think that will happen. Um, I don't even think it's like a discussion, to be honest with you. It's just fan talk. Um, Starlin Marte from the Pirates. That's another one that seems like kind of a stretch just because of the trading within the division. They're not hard. That's why Chris Bryant, to me, is just kind of like a rule I have. Trading within the division, you cannot predict. So, I don't necessarily see that happening either. So, I mean, they're going to be clear. Well, I know a lot of people are upset at how slow they feel the Reds are moving thus far. Um, I'm really happy still with the uh, the Moose signing. And uh, if you look back at a lot of the moves that have been made as far as the acquisitions of like Suarez and Puig and um, a lot of the big free or not free agents, but trades that they've made have been right around this time, which is the winter meeting. So I'm really excited to see how active we end up getting next week and just kind of anxious to see how this team ends up rounding out. Yeah. And it's funny because the past few years, this has been a time in which Red fans are just like dragging more or less. And now we're active. We're active on Twitter. We're active in the chats. We're active on MLB Network. You know, we're following all the people trying to, you know, John and whatnot. We're following these people. We're, we're excited because there's something to be excited about. In the past, it's, you know, Scott Feldman signs with the Reds one year, $3 million. Like, okay, Jesus, what are we doing? <laughs> so now it's this excitement, and it, it, we, we deserve it. And it's fun to sit back and kind of watch what's going on. There's going to be trades. I tweeted it the other day. Moustakis is a great signing. If that's the only offseason, you know, trade or signing that we make to make this seem better, then we're not going to break 500 next year. If yep. we do, it's by one game or so. He makes us better at a position that we suck, but so much better that I feel like, you know, they, they're a few moves away still before I am, you know, hunting down tickets in August. You know what I mean? I get you, man. I'm excited, too. And, you know, like I said, I'm really anxious to see what they do here with winter meetings. And I don't know. I, it's it's nice to have to feel like you're actually in a driver's seat as opposed to just playing what they've done the last couple of years. <laughs> Sure, and it feels good to see them. And you know what? I don't care what anybody says about the. I know I already touched on the overspending thing. Like I said, you know what? Screw it. Sometimes you have to give certain things to get people to certain places, and it can work just in the way you can't work. Everyone's always going to bite you. Well, what if it, oh, yeah, we, 
get more value than we expected. You know, you, can, you have to look at it both ways. Um, so I'm glad that they were willing to kind of roll the dice there. Um, they did make a minor transaction since we last talked. Travis Jankowski, who is a center fielder slash utility outfielder from the Padres, yep. 28 years old. He's actually a decent player. He's not somebody that's going to like change our win total or anything, but he's somebody that brings in depth into the organization that has a little bit of speed. He's shown he has speed with stolen bases, but it's the getting on base thing that he's had issues with. Um, but he's just somebody who, like, I kind of like that transaction. He's only a million bucks. Bring him in. Just having people that have put in four years in the majors as a organizational depth is so much better than having, like, a Mason Williams who has had in the past, having to get called up. And, you know, some guys who are just, like, career minor leaguers who get called up and are expected to play and um, so I like that move even though it was minor Nick, Nick Martini is another guy they brought in from, um, I think he was with the A's last but um, one other name I want to mention is Scott Shebler his days as a red could be numbered what if we have out of nowhere a Scott Shebler year where he just comes out and hits another 30 home runs like he did a few years back I don't want anything to do with any of that. I feel like you're drunk now, Clay. I think you're drunk. <laughs> I just saw his name on the roster, and it just like reminded me, like, he hit 30 home runs two years ago. Was it two years ago? Clay, put it down. We care about I, you. I, I put mean, the drink I, down. If, if, if I'm a betting man, I would bet $10,000 she's not on the roster opening day. I'm with you. But you'd bet $20,000 that he is. 2017, he did hit 30 home runs, which is just funny to me. Like, we, we just have to point that out. <laughs> Same year, Peraza had 200 hits. Get out of here. All right. Anything you got on uh, Locked on Reds you want us to check out as far as uh, your writing? Um, the last article I had was a Thanksgiving article, kind of just recapping 2019 seasons that we were thankful for. Um, after the Rule 5 draft and other roster moves, there should be more coming out. But yeah, off-season writing is a little bit slow because it's mostly just rumor after rumor to chase. So, um, yeah, but there should be more coming out. I'm looking forward to the next season. All right. You can check him out, like we said, on Locked On Reds. And he is Clay Snowden. Ed, you got something else? Yeah, real quick before we go. Uh, Reds Fest is coming up this weekend. So I kind of wanted to give my guide to uh, how to survive Reds Fest. Go on. Okay, so I will. Um, So there are going to be many players there. All right. So we were talking earlier. Moose is going to be there. Mike has been added to the list. So he will be there, uh, along with likes of Sonny Gray, Tucker Barnhart. Um, who else is on this list? His wife gonna be there. Joey Votto is gonna be there. Uh, Jesse Winkler. Um, I I know Amir Garrett will not be there. Correct. Amir Garrett will not be there, and my brother Greg pissed off on Amir Garrett today on Instagram Live, um, asking him like, "What you can't show up to Reds Fest?" And he said, "Dude, Yikes. I got a family vacation. Like, what?" Yeah, so, he's in like another country. Your yeah. brother's the worst. So Greg, Greg did that. Way to go, Greg. <laughs> uh, we'll never get Amir Garrett on the show now. <laughs> So I appreciate Mr. That. Perfect Tom Browning will be there. Yes, Tom Browning nice. will be there. Uh, Marty Brenneman will be there. I'm hoping to get uh, 
one of the seat backs signed by Marty Brenneman. Mm. Corky Miller is going to be there. Joe Oliver. Brett Tomko. There's a blast from the past. Ooh. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, Tom Brenneman will be there, but only on Friday. Ooh. Only on Friday. Avoid him like the plague. Yeah. Uh, and then a bunch of other guys. Eric from, Davis. Eric Davis is usually there, yeah. He, uh, he is. But sometimes he's at a booth that you have to pay for. Trevor Bauer is not going to be there. He's no. In, he's in Japan working on his mechanics. Well, he's also working on his car. Because I don't know if you heard. Mechanics are working on the car. Well, yeah. $300,000 car totaled. While by, it was parked at the dealership. By a rando tire that shot off a semi. Get out of here. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Oh, Danny Graves hey, will be there. Hi. Tyler Stevenson will be there, the future catcher for the next decade of the Reds. You're big on him, right? I have been big on him for a long time. All right, fingers crossed. All right, Clay. Oh, I'm not done, man. Oh, you still got I'm not done. Good Lord. So there are many things that you have to visit at Reds Fest. One of my suggestions is the Topps Memorabilia Gallery. Uh, Make sure you check out uh, Sports Galleries section. Uh, They probably have everything that you're looking for. Um... Also, check out the Reds Authentic booth. Uh, you could probably get a game or a, yeah, I guess game issued hat for less than less than twenty five dollars from there. So as long as they have it in your size, that's a deal because they're like thirty five forty at the store. Uh, what else, man? Uh, stay away from the Gorilla Glue Field of Dreams and the Reds Rookie Field. <laughs> uh, there are kids everywhere. Um, stay away from that. <laughs> Uh, Tops will be there giving out baseball cards. Uh, that's fun. Can I you have your own made? Huh? Can you have your own made? No, not like they did it. Um, the when we were here for the All Star game. Yeah, yeah, I got three of those. Of course you did. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, the Reds team shop will have overpriced um, gear, so that's always great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and my biggest takeaway is watch out for the grown ass men. Uh, who are trying to get autographs from other grown-ass men. Um, (laughs) I am one of those people who does collect autographs, but I am not one of those people who will jump over a small child while trying to get in line for said autograph. You do use your child, though. I have not ever used my child to get an autograph. He got one for himself. A grown man should never get upset over the fact that another grown man did not write his name on an item. <laughs> I've seen it happen many times. And I feel like a grown man on Red Fest at times he upset that another grown man's name did not appear to be on a you know written on with Sharpie on that grown man's item. I don't suggest using Sharpie uh, unless it's like a like a seat back or something like that. Uh, on a baseball, I would suggest using a Bic pen, blue. Um, and make sure you don't get one of those China issued balls because that autograph will fade away as my Todd Frazier, Todd Father ball did. And um, just stay away from those grown-ass men uh, because they will fight you. And I'm I'm not down for fighting anymore. Wait, why, why do you... I, I'm not an art... I am in no way an autograph guy, so I have a question about that. Why do you not use a Sharpie? It just doesn't look good. Oh, it doesn't? Okay. And they kind of fade a little they, bit. They bleed. Very simple, yeah. Yeah, they bleed. Oh, one of my favorite sections, though, is in, like, I think it's booth 21 near the Reds radio section, is the mystery bag. Uh, It's, like, $25 for a paper lunch bag. Yeah, they have that at the stadium, too. They have that at the stadium, but they have a lot of them here. And um, you could probably get somebody really cool for $25, or you could probably get 
somebody who came up and played uh, one inning. It's going to uh, be Derek Dietrich. Year. All Derek Dietrich. You could. Uh, Greg I, mean, I wonder who that could be. The random person. That could be anybody. It's always could, lots of randos. Could you get a Ryan LaVarne way ball? Absolutely. Possibility. You could, you could. Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, wow. Also, they have uh, jerseys. Uh, random bags full of game-issued jerseys, too. Park, or Tony, Very cool. Greg got a Homer Bailey one one year and nearly pissed his pants. Um, I think that's my I think it's my guide to Redfest. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, Clay, we're glad you could take time out of your night to join us. As always, sir, we appreciate it. Absolutely. As always, great to be on. Cannot wait. Uh, coming up, and hopefully it'll even be better than last year. We will talk again soon after uh, some more moves are made worth talking about. We did it! We did it! Adrian! We did it! We beat him! We won a game! You can't see me, but I'm pumping my arms in the air. Are you, did you just run up the steps? I did. I yeah. ran up the steps, it's, but I didn't. We did it. We run won up a any game. steps. We did it, guys. <laughs> and we did it on the same week that both Miami and Washington also won games. So we didn't lose any ground, really, at all. We're, we're, yeah, we, we did it, guys. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. Um, I hope we don't do too much of it. No. Unless yeah. the Giants are also winning. Uh, and that's all. That's God. These four teams down at the bottom are not good. At all. It, and then the Browns look horrible. I mean, they should have beat the Steelers, but that's what they get for wearing the Browns. The Steelers started at T-shirt. And well, they did, but. What, they absolutely did. Uh, but you just don't mention it because that's what triggers people. So, Bruh. so we beat the Jets because they're really bad. They weren't good. Um, the Jets fall to four and eight. The Bengals are up to one and eleven. Um, Andy Dalton looked good. You also have the uh, the Broncos, the Chargers, both at four and eight. The Jaguars are at four and eight, um, and then the the Dolphins are at three and nine. Um, as for the NFC. The Giants, got to be worried about them. They're at 2-10. and ten. The Washington Redskins are at 3-9. Detroit's at 3-8. and eight And 1. <laughs> um, Atlanta's at 3-9. and nine. Arizona's at 3-8. and eight And 1. So there's still definitely some teams that we got to worry about. Uh, the Giants, first and foremost, as they are the, uh, the closest to us. Uh, and they have lost eight games in a row. I don't know that that elusive number three is coming anytime soon for them, but we got two coming up against Cleveland. We got one against New England and one against Miami. I'm still nervous about this team winning too much and not getting that number one pick. We can't. I know I said we were addicted to winning earlier, but we can't. We can't keep winning. Uh, we have to. We have to start losing. Um, <laughs> we have to start losing bad. Um, you know. We we got to keep this. What I'm really disappointed about is that we're not going to get the free Bud Light. Um, I'm happy for Andy. <laughs> I'm happy for Andy. Uh, but I was really looking forward to this free Bud Light. Um, Look, I was really actually, and being in all seriousness, there was a moment after the game, and I'm I'm still a little torn on how to feel about cameras being in the locker room during post game uh-huh. celebration uh-huh. because I don't as much as I want to glimpse in on what they're doing. They know the cameras are in there, so you also know that you're not getting a 100% real celebration. 
as what might be celebrated if they didn't have the cameras in there. So that's why I'm a little torn on that. But there was a moment where Zach Taylor gives Andy Dalton the game ball and congratulates him on becoming the passing uh, uh, Kenny Anderson Anderson, for most touchdowns as a Bengal quarterback. I think I have that audio if you wanted to hear it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Can't take this stuff for granted, man. Yeah, yeah, you don't take these wins. You forgot what this feels like. Now you know. You know what the one end of the spectrum feels like. Now you know what it feels like. You know, for all you guys have fought since April for a moment like this, and we faced a ton of adversity, and uh, couldn't be proud of all you guys. Couldn't be proud of Randy Dalton. Wrote two franchises. Moment for him, resilient, fought through some adversity, bounced back today, led us to a victory. Oh, here's what I'm going to say about that. Um, so, how does a coach come in and say, I benched you for two weeks, and then the well, next week I'm going to give you a game ball? But also, Andy kept that game ball himself. When he threw that first touchdown, sure. his only touchdown, he grabbed that ball and handed it off to... So if you watch... The, well, that's not uncommon for any player to do if they actually have, like, a first touchdown or a big play or whatever. Like, that's that's standard. But then Andy took a different football and gave it to Coach Taylor. So, first off, he didn't catch the ball when Coach Taylor threw it to him. No, he did drop <laughs> he, it. He fumbled it. He, he fumbled it. But he, he, he has had a touchdown before. I get it. Yeah. But, I mean, such a class move, in my opinion, for him to turn around and give a game ball back to Zach Taylor, to your point. That's fair. As some as a coach who benched, benched him. him. Also, did you happen to see uh, Taylor's awkward high five with one single fan? I did. Um, as he was off the actually, field? on Twitter, is uh, Captain Obvious. Oh, is it him, really? It is him. And he said that Zach Taylor actually mentioned him specifically in his postgame presser. Why? Um, because he's the oh, 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 he's the eternal oh, oh. optimist. I was seeking a different Twitter page. Sorry, it's, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, um, he's an eternal optimist. Well, good for him. Um, but I thought he was going to dive into the crowd. Looked. I mean, you heard the audio that you just played. I did. He sounds so excited about that win. I mean, it's his first NFL win. Obviously. He absolutely should be excited to finally get the monkey off his back. But what I love even more is I don't feel that he's lost this locker room. He hasn't, and they talked about that on Monday night on Bengals line uh, with uh, with Dan and... Um, Dan Horde? Yeah, Dan Horde and what's his name? Um, Lap? Yeah, Dave Lapham. Jesus. Yeah, he has not lost the locker room. The locker room's been there the whole time, mm-hmm. although I do think he maybe lost a little bit in the locker room when he benched Andy, but that's just my own personal opinion. I think he's lost Andy and I think that that's okay. Well, because I don't think we're, I think we're here to move on from Andy. Andy's going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Which is fine. Which is fine for him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think we've also lost AJ. Oh, AJ's gone. Which is the end of an entire. If Andy's gone, AJ's gone. It's, it's the end of an entire era if you will, between the Andy to AJ yep. completions. Yep. However, I think it's okay. 
I think that it's going to be okay. And if this means the Joe Burrow era or the Justin Herbert era or whatever the case may be, I'm excited to see what this next era is going to become. It can't be as bad as what this year was. There's no way no. it can be this bad again. Yeah, there, it can't. Well, I guess there could be a way. Well, but. no, and I say that because I think that you're going to see some coaching changes. Yes. Because we didn't have an entire off season last year because of how late we got Zach Taylor. Exactly. That we were picking out of the scrap heap at that point. And he was offering to people, and they were not taking it. Correct. So. And I think he's going to run into some of that again this off season, but he also is going to have more of a pick from the litter. So I'm excited to see Pickle. excited to see what kind of changes he makes as far as that goes. Um, also excited to see who we can bring in and who we can draft now that he has. I mean, I, I read somewhere that there was only like from the time of the last signing, there was only about like six days before the first like pro day or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to say almost like six weeks before the draft from when we got our last uh, coach signing. That's not enough time to put together a plan with all these new people. Like, you're trying to get to know everybody. No way in hell you put together a good board that quickly. Not any time. Yeah, not any type of plan at all. So, I don't know. I'm still trying to be optimistic about this because, again, I don't think it can be this bad next year or even shortly thereafter, especially if we have as high of a draft pick as we're supposed to have. Right. You've seen some encouraging things out of the defense last week. Obviously, obviously, you saw some encouraging things out of – you've seen encouraging things out of Joe Mixon all year. Yeah. Um, he's been the one guy who continues to say, this Vocal. is our team, let's stay positive. And, listen, that guy could have given up a long time oh, good ago. good for him. Um, you know, especially given all of the drama that he had even before he was drafted, he's kept a positive head. He's kept his head on straight and yep. been the, a guy to kind of lean on. And he, for better or worse, he loves this team. He was and a leader when Andy wasn't there for the two weeks. Yep, a hundred percent. So, you know, if you're building on something like that, that obviously I don't want to pay him crazy money, but I don't know that. You know, maybe he's gone after his first contract. That's honestly not Mike Brown's style, though. That's true. I mean, you still have Gio here for his 17 plays a game on a crazy contract that I don't think he's worth. But he got hurt again on Sunday too. So anyway, yeah. um, I don't have a whole lot more to say about the Bengals unless you got anything else. I got nothing. Cool. Well. I hate to do this to you out there. If you really enjoy our segment where we do our questions back and forth, we're actually skipping it this week. Yeah, we're just going to skip that. We had a lot going on with Aaron's the interviews. Computer My computer shit the bed. Um, it's it's up and running now, but I had to go through, I don't know, how long was it? Like 45 minutes at least of, a long time. of updates? It was a long time. I'm going to need you to get a new computer for Christmas. It's Thanksgiving's fault. Just playing Thanksgiving. It's just okay. Yeah. So it's thanks fine. a lot. Thanksgiving. It's fine. I, that's who we're blaming. Yeah, no, you thanked them. Oh, thank you. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> I hate everything. I don't know what we just did right um, there. Um, <laughs> we are still gonna do what's in Ed's fridge because we like beer. Yeah. It is now time for everyone's favorite segment. What is in Ed's fridge? In honor of Thanksgiving. Yes. We do have, uh, we we went. We still back. don't know how to pronounce this. One we we dipped back in the uh, 
in the Karikin. 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 If you listen to the podcast, uh, <laughs> go ahead and, and shoot us a message. Add we'll, us. How to, how to, add us. Yeah, put that we need, at We there. need your phonetic <laughs> pronunciation. And then we'll also take a sponsorship for a six-pack. Um, but <laughs> please. Um, we'll do th- a show at your brewery. This is actually a sparkling spirit. So another... Uh, Another White Claw esque yeah, type of. drink, but this one definitely doesn't taste like White Claw. But this one is the apple flavor, which is a rum with spices, flavors, and carbonation. Um, again, brewed here in Cincinnati. It, it Ed's already jumping the gun here. I haven't even opened mine yet. It's good. Um, I don't see for any it. of the IB. I, oh, I don't think six percent. No, nope, oh. just six percent. That's all. What this tastes like to me is I've been in Jamaica and um, no, no, it's not Jamaica. Yeah, Jamaica, and it tastes like the Appleton rum that's real popular there. I did not expect that taste. I didn't either when I first tried this, but it's a it's a taste that I can enjoy. Hmm. This is a this is around the the bonfire beer. Um, the aftertaste is phenomenal. Yeah, I like it better than the actual taste taste. Oh, okay then. All right. First time in the history of taste testing anybody's ever said that. Probably. Yeah. No, that's a good stuff. So that like is the uh, the Karakin Karakin Karakin. Again, I'm gonna just tag them in this episode. <laughs> if they have a Twitter page, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them to just skip to the last 17 minutes of the show and and tell us how to pronounce your name. All right. So big week this week. You see Memphis, you see Xavier, Bengals don't win again. It's Cleveland. Let, let Cleveland just let Cleveland do their thing. And Reds Fest. Reds Fest. And winter meetings next week. Yeah, well, that's good. So, good show, Ed. Yeah, you too. All right. Fred, I'm Aaron. We out. May all your ups and downs and ins and outs stay in the bedroom.